0: Good afternoon, and welcome to Aging Matters on Arlington Independent Media's community radio station, WERALP Arlington, 96.7 FM. I'm Cheryl Beversdorf, your host. Since the start of the COVID 19 pandemic, many older adults are relying on technology a lot more than usual. For many, technology is a main source of communication. Zoom meetings, family chats on FaceTime, and photo exchanges on Facebook using either a computer or cell phone. Not every older adult, however, has access to these tools to support daily living and well-being at home. In fact, there's a divide between those able to access and those excluded from online support. Today, my guest is Dr. Diane Murphy. Director of the School of Technology and Innovation at Marymount University. Dr. Murphy will talk about the digital divide and explain why digital technology may be difficult for some older adults. She will also talk about its benefits for older adults during COVID-19, what they need to know, and how it can enhance their lives. So welcome, Dr. Murphy, and thank you for joining me today.
1: Good afternoon, and thank you for the invite.
0: Dr. Murphy Let's start with some definitions because some folks may not understand what is meant by the term digital divide. So help us on that. What is the digital divide and what is the cause?
1: The so-called digital divide recognizes that everybody does not have the same access to today's digital technology. Computers, smartphones, the internet. Some have none, Some have older technology, and some have limited or no internet access. Some may even have the technology but find it frustrating and difficult to use, giving up on it. The term digital divide means that different groups have different levels of access and use. The causes? Well, the digital divide could be related to geography. We know that rural areas such as in Wyoming and Oklahoma have limited internet and cell phone access. It could be related to socioeconomic status. Technology can be expensive as we all know and does not seem important when you're trying to find money for food, rent and medicine. I think race may also be a factor. Some cultures believe strongly in personal face-to-face communication prefer not to use digital technologies. The internet largely assumes a proficient reading level in the English language. And so maybe educational level may also be a factor. And finally, I really do think that age may be another uh, uh, cause. Younger people are called digital natives because they grew up with digital devices. However, technology is an add-on for us older people. It's like another language, much easier to learn when you were young. These are just some examples that I can think of of how the availability and use of digital technology is not evenly distributed across the United States or across the world, the so-called digital divide.
0: So with all of these factors that you've described and listed, why is the digital divide especially significant during COVID-19?
1: Well, if you think about it, COVID-19 seems to be synonymous with the term virtual. As we self-isolated to prevent the spread of the virus, many of our usual patterns of behavior were no longer available to us. For example, we couldn't go to the library to find a good book. We could also couldn't go to the library to use their computers to apply for a new job. This meant that we all had to rely on the technology we had in our own homes to access many of the services we now needed to survive. Whether it was information on where we could get tested, scheduling a routine doctor's visit, renewing our driving licenses, talking to friends and family members concerned for our safety, and so much more. Everything seemed to have gone online. Many jobs were also shifted to virtual, meaning you were required to work from home. In some cases, you lost your job if you did not have fast internet access from home. Similarly, most schools and universities moved to online learning, including us here at Marymount, and this represented educational challenge for many low-income children.
0: So I'm thinking that in terms of the digital divide then, it's especially affected older adults use of, of digital technology during COVID-19. You kind of mentioned that a little bit earlier, um, but since this is aging matters, can you talk a little bit more about, about how it's, uh, the digital divide has affected the older adults?
1: Well, as I said before, age uh, was one of the causes of the digital divide. And many of them did not necessarily have their own technology but there was always this safety net. That was the public library and the community centers who not only had the computers and the internet access, but they also had friendly people to help them find the information they needed. When they were closed because of COVID-19, I believe there was a major impact on senior citizens. Many older adults use these places for social interaction and access to virtual resources. For those with technology such as smartphones, these pesky devices were no longer a nice thing to have to talk to their grandkids, but now their principal link to the world outside their homes. They now had to use technology to access vital services associated with their safety and well-being. This meant they had to learn very quickly how to use that digital technology.
0: And so... Obviously, it, what you're telling us is, is that digital technology could enhance the life, you know, the lives of older adults during COVID-19 and also reduce loneliness and social isolation. Would you agree? I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of different ways, but maybe you could expand a little bit more on that.
1: I've been teaching safe use of technology to older adults for several years and have seen firsthand how a little knowledge on the technology, how it works, or how you use it, can impact the lives of older citizens before the pandemic and during the pand- pandemic. Actually, I recently had an email from one of my students saying how much she appreciated taking my class on the iPhone earlier this year and how much it helped her during the pandemic knowledge is very important in technology how do you use it well your family and friends are not just a voice on the end of the line anymore they are now images of your loved ones on the screen i think this makes a huge difference to your sense of connection to people who are a distance away it's possibly also an incentive to dress up and look good for that call I think also you need to think about the events you might like to have gone to, such as a play at the local theater, but you did not land up going. The, effect of ge- the effort of getting there, finding a parking space, getting home safely in the dark, etc., made it difficult in the past. These are now all available online from the comfort of your own home. You can watch a variety of plays and movies, often at no cost. You might go to that book club meeting with your local community because it's now available over a Zoom call. You can interact with others as if you were in the same room. Physical impediments and limitations that we might have are largely forgotten in the digital world.
0: Well, I certainly understand what you're saying about those Zoom calls and actually getting dressed up. I always feel like if I'm going to have a Zoom call, I at least better, you know, make sure that I, um, you know, put on a little makeup and look because everybody's going to be looking at me. So I understand what you're saying. But Let's talk about those digital communication skills. Now, obviously, it sounds like they're very important right now during COVID-19, but you've been teaching this course before COVID-19. Just tell us as as a person who is an instructor, and you also, of course, teach over at Marymount, the uh, digital communication skills, but why are they especially critical for older persons, both in COVID-19 and and even... After this is all over, what would you tell us?
1: I think we all have to recognize that the world we live in has changed and that that change has been accelerated by the pandemic. All people, from children in school to older adults in their own homes, now must use digital technology as a part of their daily routines. And it's interesting, this isn't new. Many of us older adults have families spread across the country, and in many cases around the world. Video communication over the internet using tools such as Apple's FaceTime or Skype allow for much closer interaction with them. You cannot hug them, obviously, but digital video communication definitely brings them closer. You can see them, uh, you can talk to them, you can interact with them. In addition to that, I think that so much information is now primarily available on the internet. There are websites now specially designed for seniors. A few examples are SeniorLiving.org, arp.org, and SeniorLoveToKnow.com. They all cater to information of value to seniors from health and fitness information to beauty tips.
0: So what are you finding, Dr. Murphy, When I'm I'm sure that these people are coming to your course ready to learn, but do they ever tell you or have you done any research on this as to why an older adult might be reluctant to learn these skills that they need to, to use these digital devices? I think
1: none of us want to feel stupid. And seeing young people interact with the technology so easily does make us feel somewhat inadequate. To me, it's like learning to drive a car. I learned to drive in my early 30s and felt frustrated and embarrassed because all my younger siblings were driving effortlessly. I eventually got it, but there was some self-doubt in the process. So I I think that for many years, many older people resisted because they did not see it as important. They'd lived for 60 or more years without it. Unfortunately for them, however, it is now imperative to use digital technology to lead an independent life. It's like learning a new language, frustrating at first, but very satisfying when you realize you can do it and you get all the benefits from uh, getting over that hump.
0: And do you also find that, you know, I liked what you said about, uh, you know, they don't want to appear stupid. Are there other types of personal assumptions that older adults might have about themselves that would impact how they, even if they'll try to use digital technology or, or, or use the skills, what might they bring to the table if they're ready to learn but are still a little nervous?
1: You know, some of it is all about their attitude. Obviously the people who are coming to my class, you know, recognize that they need to learn. But many older people think, I don't need it. It's just for young people. It will not work for me. Maybe they have some uh, hearing issue or poor eyesight. Or maybe as somebody reported to me, the buttons on the phone are far too small for my fingers. But you know, you have to remember that one of the most exciting things about technology, you can overcome these things. They know about why uh, uh, you might not be able to see or hear or touch, okay? And so they've built in lots and lots of uh, um, capabilities to cope for that. So if I think about it, reading a paper-based book may be harder as we get older, but with an ebook, on the internet, you can adjust the size of the typeface to meet your special needs. You can use headphones to adjust the sounds while you watch your own video and do not disturb others. And then something as simple as a stylus can help you with the size of the letters on the phone's virtual keyboard. So again, you know, things are changing. One common assumption is that you need to be good at typing. Uh, But I just want to... Uh, Make sure that people know that voice recognition, the ability of that phone or that computer to recognize your voice has come a long way. And devices like the Amazon Alexa can really help. As an example, I use Alexa when I'm cooking to set alarms. It's totally hands-free. I just say, Alexa, set a timer for four minutes. And when the alarm goes off, I simply say, Alexa, stop. I do not have to stop what I'm doing and maybe wash my hands. So again. Think about all the new technologies that are coming out now that are gonna make your life a lot easier if you just learn how
0: to use them. Dr. Murphy, I just those are really interesting pieces of information about that. Um, could you interject here, like if people want to learn about those kinds of, of new technologies that you're talking about? I think even for myself, well, I get a little nervous with new technology. I, I was just going to ask you right here, where are the best places to find out about that? I, I must tell you that I get nervous when, you know, something pops up on my phone and says, well, do you want to install this app, for example? Um, it, it would be helpful just even to to help us a little bit on apps and and places where we could learn about all of these kinds of new technology um uh formats or or you know the skills where are the best places to learn about these uh, new ways of doing tech, digital technology
1: i strongly believe in the public library you know the public library now is a great place to learn technology They have lots of resources there and the staff, the librarians and the staff of the library are all up to date on digital technology. Libraries today are virtually all virtual anyway. Um, So I really encourage people now that the, these, um, um, libraries are starting to open again, to go to the library, talk to a staff in the library and they can guide you to the right places, both on the internet and, uh, Uh, If you'd like to get a book, they also have a lot of books and videos and tapes. Once you get to use the internet, uh, then there are so many internet resources. Uh, YouTube has so many videos about doing everything that it's really quite interesting to see um, what you can learn once you're on the internet.
0: Well, it's interesting that you say that. I know here at Arlington Library you know all you have to do is you can have a chat and there's this wonderful librarian whoever he or she is is always willing to help so i appreciate that plug for for the library one thing i also wanted to kind of get back to now you were talking about we we're talking about personal assumptions and one of the things that always strikes me about we're talking about physical barriers now is i am struck by how young people can move their thumbs so fast when they're doing their uh you know uh I- iPhones and that might that be a physical barrier um what what would you what would you tell us
1: you know uh i am also amazed you know i i live with students every day and i'm also amazed at how they use the technology but there's no need for us to do that okay there are ways that we can do it as older people as i said stylus is really great on the phone and i've had a lot of success with some of my older people in my classes at showing them how you can do a lot faster on a virtual iphone keyboard with a small stylus than you can with your finger so it is a matter of thinking about what it, what i'm good at and what I'm not good at, and trying to look for um, accommodations, let's say, uh, to be able to do that. Um, Some of it is being comfortable where you are. And what's one of the other nice things about technology today? You know, think about a few years ago, when to use the internet, you had to sit at a desk, connect to the cable on the wall. Today, wireless devices mean you can access the internet from anywhere, from your backyard, if you want to, or from your bedroom. And being comfortable when you use the technology, I think is a great start uh, to making the best use of it.
0: When you teach your classes, do you also add maybe that people really need to learn well, certain features of digital communication that could make them uh, you know, more difficult to use? Are, are there certain things that they need to be aware of? I mentioned about apps, for example. Is there anything else just to kind of, you know, be alert for?
1: I think the biggest problem is that technology doesn't always work and or it doesn't work as you would expect it to. Um, and so one of the biggest values that I've found is teaching the uh, – Senior citizens in my classes a little bit about how it works. Okay, uh, people don't understand the difference between, uh, you know, using the cell phone to access the internet and using up your data minutes, and then going onto a wireless network. So again, making them understand just a little bit, not in technical terms, just but in general about some of the things that make the technology work, really helps them uh to um become comfortable uh with what it's doing um and so you know i i i think people get really frustrated when uh things go wrong okay um and they can't fix the problem and they, then they become really frustrated yep and you know many problems simply occur because you're trying to do m- too much on your phone and it runs out of resources and again, simply turning it on and off again we usually clear things up. So, again, just understanding a little bit about what it's doing, how it's working, the difference between an app and a, a web application. A little of an education in that area, I think, is very useful to overcome uh, some of the difficulties that they feel when they actually get to use it.
0: I was also wondering in this. Washington, D.C. area, and, well, Northern Virginia, Maryland, and this, we are, we have so many different cultures that um, live in this area, the families, and that, have you discovered that there are cultural attitudes about using social media, and might this be another aspect that could prevent older adults from using digital technology?
1: Yes, as I said before, some cultures, you know, look to face-to-face communication. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest impediment right now is privacy, okay? Uh, I believe that privacy is an culturally for many older adults, including myself. For example, I don't actually post on Facebook, but I do use Facebook to scan the posts from my family and friends. Younger people seem to be much more open about saying where they are, posting pictures of what they're doing, detail what they're thinking or eating and so on. Um, so again, you know, we as older people are much more conscious of our private information. And we need to think about how we can take advantage of social media without compromising that privacy. OK, because it's good. You can see what your family and friends are doing and what's going on in your community. Uh, but you don't have to post to Twitter or follow lots of people. Just need to understand where you are and be comfortable with what personal information that you post.
0: One thing I was also wondering, Dr. Murphy, is is that uh, not only cultural attitudes, but language is And I really don't know this, so I, I really want to understand, is, is uh, the Internet posted in all different kinds of languages? Is it easy to find, I would assume maybe Spanish, but I don't know, um, uh, Japanese or um, other languages of people who might be living in this area? How, how might they access um, the Internet and the various you know, uh, features that are there in their own language?
1: Originally, when we first started out on the internet, everything was primarily in English,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and there were some reasons for that technology-wise. Those have now gone gone away, so you will see a lot of um, Arabic, uh, Japanese, Chinese uh, websites that you can use. One of the other valuable things, I think, on the internet and on your phone is Google Translate. Okay, so I can take something on an English uh, website and use automatically through Google translate translate translated into my home language. And I think that's also a very useful feature. Again, we talked about accommodations, whether it's uh, uh, it's it's hearing or seeing. But language to me is another accommodation that technology does really
0: well. And obviously, lots of people don't know that. So um, it's it's nice that uh, we have that opportunity now to at least find um, sites in our own language. Well, Dr. Murphy, we're going to take a short break right now for an important m- message. And to our listeners, we're reminding you that we are listening to Dr. Diane Murphy, who is the director of the School of Technology and Innovation at Marymount University. And you are listening to... WERALP Arlington, 96.7 FM. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We are talking with Dr. Diane Murphy, Director of the School of Technology and Innovation at Marymount University about digital technology and especially how important it is right now during COVID-19. So, Dr. Murphy, I was wondering, obviously every older adult's personal and social um, circumstances are different. With the absence of a social network be a factor in maybe preventing older adults from learning and using digital technology? They may say, well, I don't have any family. I don't have any uh, close friends. Why should I learn? What, what would you tell them? Well, you know, there's so
1: much now uh, on the Internet that you can learn for yourself. Um, the amount of information you can get from the Internet is really unlimited. You can learn just about any subject from art history to a new language to science. There are many, many free or inexpensive education sites out there. You can also play games and puzzles to keep your brain active. As we get older, we all have a fear of dementia. And so again, just think about how you can use the internet to keep that brain of yours going. And it's interesting how some of the activities that we typically do have sort of changed on the Internet. Uh, My next door neighbor said recently that she likes doing the New York Times crossword puzzle online every day uh, rather than doing it in the paper because it tells her when she is putting in the wrong letter. So if she's got an answer wrong, it's giving her feedback. And so there are many enhanced ways that you can do things on the internet, which makes just life more interesting and uh, helps you to, as I said, keep that brain alive. Um, There are also many things now that we can do with digital technology that can make things easier around the house. You know, you can obviously, keep in contact with the family, but you could also find out what's going on in your neighborhood through email feeds such as next door. Okay, uh, you can use technology now to turn your lights on and off when you're here or when you're not here. You can use it to, um, um, you know, look at who's the door through one of those video ring doorbells. There are so many things that if you start using technology that you can really get to make yourself happier, uh, to make yourself uh, more engaged and also
0: to, 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 uh, make your life a lot more
1: secure and safe.
0: Well, that's certainly a, certainly a good reason for using technology. So in fact, I like that idea. I've, I've done a lot of jigsaw puzzles and I, I understand you can actually do jigsaw puzzles online as well. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so, um, I was going to check that out. So, just a couple of, of questions about the use of, of computers and cell phones. In your studies and your research, have you found, uh, are there, is there a large percentage of older adults who own computers? And, and if so, for what purposes do they typically use it? What, what have you found?
1: Well, you know, one of the the sources of information for a lot of uh, older people using technology is AARP. And they've got some good recent surveys of how the older population is moving towards digital technology. They're seeing an increasing adoption of technology particularly smartphones by their members. Now we have to think about the digital divide and understand that their members may not be totally representative of everybody in society but they also report that tablets are more commonly used in the older generation which I thought was sort of interesting. What do they use with it? It's you know, connection with friends and family is probably the most reason that people begin to use the technology. And then once they have started to use it, they find other uses. Um, finding information is a common use. And funnily enough, the most uh, searched item is the weather. Well, that, that's important. <laughs> right. Medical information is also commonly uh, looked up. You know, And so some people, seniors also like to use computers rather than the um, smaller phones uh, uh, so that uh, they can read large amounts of text easier without having to scroll all the time and things like that. So again, email is another common
0: communication with seniors and they prefer to do that again on the computer. It's just easier to do. Well, in terms of cell phones, Help us understand, because I really don't know the answer to this. What's the difference between a smartphone and an iPhone?
1: An iPhone is a specific model of a smartphone. Okay. Okay, so a smartphone, you can get a, a, a either an Apple iPhone or a Google Android phone. They both uh, allow you to... Uh, take calls, they both allow you to access the internet, and they both allow you to uh, run apps. Many people find the iPhone a little easier to use. Uh, um, The Android uh, has many of the capabilities, but it's a little harder user interface. So iPhone is probably the most popular uh, um, phone in the uh, older population.
0: Have you also found that that pretty much a, a large percentage of older adults now own iPhones or the Android, cell phones in general? Uh, yes. Okay. And mainly because they've been
1: told to do so by their uh, children and grandchildren, you know.
0: Especially now.
1: That's right. Okay. You know, we want to we want to know how you're doing, uh, 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 Granny. We we need to ha- be able to call you. We me- need to be able to see, uh, you know, uh, what's happening. Um, so ARP reports in its latest survey that in 2018 and 2019, smartphone adoption jumped from 70% to 77%. Now, of course, that's pre-pandemic and so i'm assuming uh, that number has gone up in the last few months
0: and it depending on how long we're in this uh, social distancing uh, arena it might be jumping higher even you know more after as as time goes on so uh, as we say we need this communication so the other part of the digital technology is the digital messaging modalities. Um, is there something one used over another? Um, there's so many now, and it seems like if something is popular with older adults, then it's no longer popular with younger people. What are you seeing as the, as the preferred digital messaging modality for older adults?
1: You know, older adults are obviously, uh, still uh, use voice communication more than young people. Young people today rarely use voice unless they're talking to an older person. Uh, Between themselves, they're usually texting to each other. So we are seeing more older people learning how to text, mainly to communicate with their families. Um, So we are also seeing uh, more and more um, video chatting through FaceTime and Skype. Um, Some older people are using Facebook, uh, as I said, mainly to see what their family's going on. And some are beginning to use Instagram if their family posts pictures. Um, But in general, older people stay away from many of the tools used by the younger generation. I don't know anybody who uses, say, Snapchat or TikTok. Okay, or Vimeo. Uh, there are thousands of, uh, of of applications out there that I see students using that I personally have no idea how to use. Why you use um, Snapchat is interesting because Snapchat is something that they send you a picture and it disappears, right? So there's all sorts of different uh, ways of communicating. Um, but you know, we're now seeing you know uh, older people increasingly use video conferencing tools such as Zoom and Microsoft Teams uh, because they want to participate in community meetings, on book clubs. So there's lots and lots of different things that they use, but nowhere near near some of the uh, applications uh, that young people are using.
0: What about Twitter? My goodness, you hear about Twitter all the time, and especially during this this political activity going on, uh, what would you tell us? Are older adults likely to use Twitter or not so much?
1: Uh, Some do, uh, mainly those that have an interest in, you know, news and the world around them. Um, My big issue with Twitter, and I also have the same issue with Facebook, is that many older people are just... Um, sending on messages without really evaluating whether they're true or false. Uh, You know, one of my uh, research areas is disinformation. And it's truly amazing that if I get, if an older person gets a message, say, from an uncle or aunt, they will pass it on to the rest of the family, even though it may not be true. And So that's where a lot of the problems that I have with Twitter and Facebook now is that a lot of the information that you receive may or may not be true.
0: Well, that's certainly something we all need to keep in mind, uh, whether it's uh, interacting with our families or the kind of information that's coming to all of us nowadays. it's it's There's so much. And to that, you had talked a little bit already about how older adults use the Internet, you said, for health reasons. And um, any other... Um, areas that you're seeing that people use the internet and I'm just kind of curious what's the average amount of time that older adults now are online we obviously talk about younger people but what about older adults in in so far as the internet uh,
1: I did look this up and you know on average the older generation was estimated to spend about 27 hours online per week pre-pandemic obviously there's no data available now how's that changed in the last six months but 27 hours a week is a fair amount of time okay Um, the same research also showed that more than 80 percent of seniors use search engines to find information okay as i said many search for the weather news medical entertainment Finding coupons and discounts was also a major use, which I thought was interesting. Uh, so again, you know, they're using it to find information uh, and, um, and also to communicate with their family.
0: When you are teaching these courses now, are the students that you're teaching and interacting with, are they uh, telling you about new ways that they want to use uh, technology? Uh, besides, say, maybe communicating with their family and friends? Are there things that we haven't thought of that we should share with our listeners that, I mean, you've mentioned a few things in terms of puzzles and and uh, helping you cook a meal, but anything else that uh, uh, comes to mind that maybe none of us have ever thought of?
1: Well, you know, what? the one thing that m- most people who come to class have never done, they've never downloaded an app, Okay. So, you know, that that was uh interesting to me uh They hadn't done it because nobody had told them how to do it. Uh, So I was able to choose some apps that I thought might be useful. Uh, So one of the ones that I downloaded for them was uh, an app that kept track of your medications, when you took them, what you took, uh, when you were gonna run out and things like that. So there's all sorts of uh, little utilities that you can put on your phone. Um, I downloaded for them a, a, uh, a measuring stick so that you don't have to have a a ruler or anything you can use uh, use the phone to do things so you know there's lots of uh, lots of things like that the other thing that i think that people um, really didn't know a lot about was the camera feature on the phone today's uh, smartphones have phenomenal cameras uh, you know that you can take uh, uh, not just uh, uh, pictures but you can use it to document everything. So, you know, uh, if you have a, a a storm damage, you know, documenting that. And so, using the phone uh, to keep track of different things, I think, is something that they found very useful, uh, and hadn't really thought about it other than taking a picture.
0: One thing I also wanted to ask you, Dr. Murphy, is, is that, of course, both on your computer as well as on your phone, you often get uh, a prompt about updating. Um, is My sense is that when you get this, you should update all the time, but help us on this. What, what would you uh, tell our listeners about when you get that prompt should you update and should you do it right away? What do you think?
1: Well, updating is very important. Uh, as we know, you know, one of the negative things about the Internet is the amount of cyber criminal activity out there. So they find little mistakes and then they try to attack them. So the updates are usually very security-related. And the sooner you do them, the more secure your device is going to be. Now, you don't have to do all the updates that come your way, but certainly do all the ones from the major systems on the, on the phone, right? Or the computer, whether it's Microsoft, if you're on, uh, on your computer, whether it's Apple, if you're on your iPhone, uh, you know. And so again, you know, keeping your system up to date is all about staying safe and secure. Um, so, yes, do it as soon as it's convenient. It doesn't have to be done right away, but do it as soon as it is convenient. So on my computer here at home, because I leave my computer up at night, I usually schedule it to happen when I'm asleep, so it's all available when I come back in the morning.
0: So it's a good idea to leave your computer on overnight? Yes, That's good information because I usually turn mine off. I know, I
1: know, I know. It's changed over time because today uh, the computers, if you have a fairly new computer, they have power-saving devices. So when you're not using it, they've virtually shut the machine down by itself, but they keep it enough available so that if an update comes in from Microsoft, my machine will get updated. So it's not using a lot of electricity. Um, you know, and so uh, I, I find it useful uh, to, to leave it on.
0: That's very helpful. The other thing that so often, like when I go out and do presentations about aging matters, for example, people say, I don't do Facebook or I don't do social media. And and I think more often than not, I think there's a concern. Older adults are afraid of losing their privacy when using social media. Is that a real concern? Is that something that needs to be addressed? And, you know, if they decide they're going to do it, how can they be protected?
1: Well, you know, privacy is a real concern. As I said, Uh, I'm not one for posting everything, but people need to think before they put anything on the internet. Okay. We sort of, Tend to think, well, only my family is going to see it, or whatever. However, that may not be true. So, to protect yourself, please make sure you check your settings. Uh, whether you're on a phone, a computer, using Facebook, or whatever, they all have privacy settings that you can set uh, and limit access uh, to whatever you have on your uh, on your um, Facebook page or whatever is available on your phone. So you can protect yourself by thinking also about what it is you're posting. Um, I have a real problem with uh, Facebook uh, because if somebody takes a picture with me in it, they can tag me in it and all of a sudden people know where I am. you know, you have to really think you're on a cruise, you wanna take a picture, send it to your family. What does that tell everybody? That tells everybody you're having a good time, but it also tells everybody that you're not at home, right? And so again, you know, that's that that could be an issue depending where you live and whatever. So, you know, you've really got to think about what you put out there uh, and, and, and not to uh, just put everything out there. Young people tend to put everything out there and uh, they don't seem to have the same um, concerns about privacy that we do.
0: Well, that's that's really important to remember, so because especially as you said, then folks who are watching these kinds of things can find out, oh, she's not at home. So uh, this would make you much more vulnerable. So the other thing I think that older adults are concerned about is you mentioned a little bit about scams, but also viruses that appear on on computers, you know, you hear about getting kind of locked out and you're supposed to call a number or click on a link and suddenly you do and you're having problems. Talk to us about that. What, how serious is that? What, what can actually happen if you click on something that you shouldn't, or you're not familiar with? What can you tell us that we should know about, about scams and viruses?
1: Well, yeah, that's that's really important, right? You know, we mm-hmm. have to remember that the internet is public. It's not just everybody in the United States. It's everybody all the way around the world. So there are a lot of uh, not so nice people out there who are looking at uh, how uh, they can uh, get money uh, from uh, people in different ways. So. Uh, you know, let's just think about uh, what happens. Probably the most common criminal activity is something called phishing, right? And so phishing is really where somebody that you trust, maybe your bank uh, sends you an email about needing to update your password. Now, the bank would never do that, but you get an email from a criminal that wants you to go into your online banking account and change your password. So they send you to a web page that looks awfully like the bank and they're getting better and better at it, uh, but it isn't. So they are actually getting your username and password for your bank account. What are they gonna do? They're gonna take all your money, right? So this has become a major, major problem uh, because it's so hard to tell when something is a forgery. Uh, We just have to stop trusting uh, uh, the internet. The bank is never going to do that to you. Um, you And and sometimes you'll get it from a different bank and you know it's not true because it's not your bank. But when it becomes from your bank, it becomes a little bit more um, um, tempting uh, to, to, to go on with it. Okay, so again, my advice to everybody is, if you're not sure, call the bank or company to verify. Um, So, you know, that's one of the most common attacks now. Now we also have this whole, um, I've seen several of the scams where people say, you know, uh, this is from Microsoft and we need you to do this, this and this uh, to verify your account. So there are many other things other than banks, but the most common ones are banks, okay? Um, so, uh, be careful, uh, um, look at everything carefully and cynically. And if you can't, don't think it's good, or you think it's too good to be true, then go out and verify it. Viruses are a little bit different. They're not quite as common as they used to be, uh, because most of the computers and phones have good antivirus protection. Uh, However, Again, this is where you need to update. Uh, virus uh, protection programs need to be updated all the time because new attacks are coming out. So make sure you turn on automatic updates uh, and uh get those updates straight away. Ransomware now is the most another very common thing where they mess up all the data on your a computer and tell you you have to pay some money through Bitcoin, whoever knows how to use Bitcoin uh, to be able to pay pay for that. So one of the things that I do recommend everybody do is make sure that they have a backup of all the valuable data on their phone or their computer, okay? You can do that either with a little USB thumb drive, uh, or you can do it to the cloud, like iCloud, but co- make sure that at least once a month you copy everything to another place so that if somebody comes along and say, says, you know, uh, pay me uh, $5,000 to unlock all your files, you can say, no, go away. I already have them somewhere else, okay? But backups are very important for ransomware, but also that, you know, your um, technology does fail, so think about if your phone uh, breaks down and you lose all your contact information, right? Contacts are just wonderful, right? We no longer have to remember telephone numbers anymore. <laughs> They're all right there. So again, you know, uh, protect yourself as best you can.
0: Okay, well, we're getting close to the end here. I just wanted to ask a couple more questions If people want to, older adults want to learn how to use technology or improve their digital skills during COVID-19, they have more time, Uh, what would you say is the best way to, to learn how to do that?
1: Many older people rely on their families, right? And they're usually pretty good at helping you a little bit. But the Internet is obviously a great resource, Obviously, you need to know how to use the internet before you can get all the resources. But the internet, probably the best learning tool on the internet is YouTube. Okay? YouTube, which is owned by Google, uh, has lots and lots of videos about just about anything. Okay? Uh, I encourage everybody to, to use Google to find uh, videos, whether it's about technology or something around the house. You need to fix a faucet. You can find a step-by-step video that does it for you. There is so much to learn from uh, the videos. If something breaks down in your house, okay, use Google and, and YouTube to work out what's the problem and how to fix it. There are so many things out there on the internet to learn. Um, AARP is a good resource also. Uh, They have targeted recently technology for the older population. They have some good articles on how to prevent getting scammed, you know, how to make safe use of technology. Uh, But again, I go back to my original comment that one of your best sources is your public library or community center. They have some classes maybe, and they have staff who can answer your questions
0: and i was just going to quickly um find out if an older adult does have like a hearing or a vision disability is is there special uh, digital technology that they could find out about too oh
1: absolutely and it's all really available today uh, as part of your technology okay um you know every device you have has settings whether it's your smartphone, your computer, or your tablet, okay? And you can use those settings to customize the device for your special needs. For example, if you look at the iPhone uh, and you go under settings, you'll find an accessibility tab, right? So some of the items you have here are voiceover, which will speak the items on the screen to you, uh, you know, um, and then they also have a button that says display text sizes, uh, which enables you to make things bold. Uh, you can um, set the brightness on your device. There are so many things that you can play with uh, to make it work for you. Um, in the old days, you'd have to buy screen readers and all sorts of other technology. Today, Microsoft and Apple have built many of these things into their systems. Um, and so again, you know, it's all there. You just have to work out how to do it. And if you do have special needs, I think one good place to start is the place that you bought it. It might be the Apple Store or Best Buy and get one of their technicians to walk, work you, walk you through the setup. They're usually very knowledgeable about these things. So, again, lots and lots of things you can do um, uh, to uh, make sure that your digital technology meets your individual needs.
0: Sounds like a good way to end our uh, our interview today. And I want to thank Dr. Diane Murphy, Director of the School of Technology and Innovation at Marymount University, for joining me today. Now, by the way, if you want to listen to past radio programs and watch Aging Matters TV episodes, log on to facebook.com forward slash matters W-E-R-A, to find both the internet address to access the radio shows as well as the TV episodes. And by the way, Aging Matters Radio is now available as a podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just be sure to invite your friends and family to listen to these programs and then rate and review the programs at these sites. I want to thank Robert Winship for handling the technical aspects of today's program and of course, as always, thank you for listening to Aging Matters. And remember, age is just a number, not a label. I'll be back again with you next week.